Jim, welcome to The Ordinal Show. I'm very impressed by what you're doing in this space. I'd love to hear about ordinals. Ordinals are a Bitcoin ordinal standard for inscribing and recursively accessing and sequencing on-chain audio files. So I would love to hear about what does that mean? How can people get involved? What is your vision? What are you building here? Cool. Thanks for having me on, man. Thank you for uh, inviting me. It's something that I've been working on for a little while now. I, I had an idea about recursive ordinals a long time ago because I'm, I'm not actually a developer, but I, I did understand the fact that all Satoshis had their own identifying number. So I was working on some ideas from the start based on the idea that at some point I would figure out how to call one Satoshi with another. I'm a musician in my sort of past life before Bitcoin. And so it's always been something that's uh, been on my mind. I've had lots of trouble with publishers and earning money. So I think from the start of my journey, it's been in the back of my mind that there's going to be some great solutions here that are going to help musicians. And one of the things I was working on was the idea of to put audio directly on the blockchain or, or was there a way to create it so it would be more easily indexed. And I ended up settling for JSON files with embedded Base64 audio in them for a couple of reasons. One, one because the JSONs allow, obviously, for you to index really easily. I have built a, a sampler that actually will import these audio files, these Base64 audio files, and allow people to remix them, which I'm going to inscribe fairly shortly so people can start pulling in these audio files to play with them. But the other thing is actually a, called UTF-8, which is something that, uh, most modern uh, files like FLAC and other audio files that you can put some limited metadata into doesn't include UTF-8, which is actually, uh, it crosses language borders. So it means that they're searchable, indexable in multiple languages. And so that was something that I was very keen on doing. And actually, I was it wasn't just for music. The idea was to create something that was like an archival tool for all sort of all audio. There's going to be I think interesting things in even if you're looking at like languages that are almost extinct, the idea of being able to record languages to understand the pronunciations or things like that. The standard that I've built, while I have obviously promoted it toward towards music because that's my real passion, I feel like the bigger picture is that there's all sorts of other audio styles that can benefit from being encoded on the blockchain in this standard so they can be easily indexed. I have inscribe something it's very basic it was explaining my idea and at the time i had only actually inscribed three i was calling them ordinals just with an au but then i found this cool company that are doing another platform working in the space that are using brc20s for ownership of music so i rebranded it and put made it audio nulls and i've got something in there where you can load two or three of the audio nulls that i created into this little application and kind of remix them i've set it up so that the first two are automatically loaded and then one of them you can press a loop button and it will just loop that one and then you can then load a, another one which you can play over the top it's very basic and i have created actually a 64 step sequencer which you'll then be able to load at the moment it's just got four channels but i put a button there so you can just keep adding channels it's using the web audio api to get the timing in line but i think i was saying to someone a couple of days ago it'd be really great if we could get some of these audio libraries actually inscribed like the tone.js which would allow people to use midi and also it allows us to create some better synthesizers i have inscribed a couple of synths they're very basic oscillators 
but they're, they're so small they're not even one kilobyte and you can have a, a little synth that you can you can play around with so i'm very excited as to where this space is going but certainly since recursions come along it's really opened up a whole world because also these the, the really good thing with these for, for musicians is that you can create a, a sample and then eventually once this library the audience library is big enough people will be able to actually sequence full production songs and every single song will, will also be a record of every sample that it's used and so as long as the marketplaces in the future agree to do the right thing and pay royalties this, this really could revolutionize everything and actually create a much fairer space for musicians to work in yeah it's an interesting kind of vision there the idea is we use bitcoin as this repository for all of these audio files right and then other people can come along and leverage those with JavaScript packages and remix them and do like all kinds of stuff. And, and it doesn't have, I'm not necessarily saying you just inscribe a song. It sounds like we're talking about you could inscribe like a thousand just little tiny files of sound and then come along and write some code that puts that together in an interesting way. Yeah, this is the, it's a bit like what people are talking about at the moment with traits, with taking traits and putting traits down to create a generative collection and so this is the same idea with using but using audio and so you can now yeah again at the moment the library i am planning to get the standard launched at some point this week but once that library is really grown yeah people can do anything with it i'm assuming a lot of samples won't necessarily be there for royalties the things i've been doing is just so i can write some music but yeah it, it brings the whole like logic audio idea online and so you can then just be pulling in your kick drum your snare i've built into the standard it gives some bass levels in the fields in the json so that you can loop things up you can time stretch you can pitch you can put in say one bass note and then the json format will allow a sequencer to then take that bass note at where it is and then put it on every key on the scale so you don't actually have to record every note. You can treat it like you would normal audio, just get one good note on there, and then the rest of it can be dealt with by future applications that will pitch shift your samples. And so, yeah, I'm really looking forward to getting the library big enough that we will hear some fully produced music that you won't be able to tell the difference because these are just WAV files that have been pulled together just as they are in a regular digital audio workstation, I think is what they're called, like Logic. So yeah, I think the faster we can get the library growing, the quicker we're gonna we're gonna get some really interesting, amazing music that just was born on chain through using entirely on chain samples. I haven't figured out the vocals side of things yet. That's gonna be a bit bit trickier. This is definitely gonna be more advantageous to DJs and people who write music that is built entirely out of samples. And then I was talking to Longstreet. We're gonna try and look in some ideas about how to and again, this is all not to do with the library, but to do with future developments. People will need to find ways of creating applications, preferably uh, inscribed applications that will be able to take a short string sample and make it into a long string note. It does all depend on, on the, the file size, obviously. The JSONs that I create, they add around 30% in terms of whatever the audio file that you're putting in there. It does actually stretch it out, but as I've explained before, there's lots of benefits in terms of recording it as text rather than as audio. But so, yeah, as, as the sample library grows and as well as the uh, ability of people to provide 
cool effects units and audio sequences, we're going to see a real explosion in people writing music that will sound exactly as it does in the real world. And if when someone does eventually write a really big hit in this way, the radio stations and everyone will just have to play it off chain. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited as well. I think two interesting ideas that immediately come to mind are... Could we do an on-chain radio station where it's just like one inscription? Once we have enough data, one inscription can just play a 48-hour loop of the top kind of songs or something like that. Or like an on-chain playlist. Because it's just at that point, it's just a little bit of code to say, hey, here's 100 inscriptions. Just take them and play them together like on a radio and loop it. Like there's no reason why you can't do all this with recursion, right? Once you've got loops, I mean, at the moment, I've been, you know, they're very short samples i mean you might have a a one bar loop but if you're talking about playing songs it's more like what you would be playing would be the third stage of this so someone first of all goes into the library they then produce an entire track that is all using audional json files to play the track and then they would then inscribe the those instructions are then inscribed as the song so now the song is a list of instructions that is calling on all these samples, and then your radio station would then be calling on the la- on the, the level two, which is those compositions, and then it can be eternal. I was saying to Longstreet the other day that with this piece that we've been working on, where they're all sort of one-bar loops, and he deliberately made it a 30-second piece in order for us to have a chance of getting it inscribed but actually once we've got these things as the JSONs we could make it infinite it can just play forever first of all you could actually have a quite a long list of instructions that would be less in only a few bytes explaining how to piece these loops together but then we could even write a randomizer in there that then plays the loops in ever-changing sequences and that could just play forever let's just say any explorer if an explorer wants to Long term, a year from now, let's say lots of people are using the standard. There are many of these samples that many people have come along and used code to create songs with. And they want to create the way to basically display these songs in a Spotify style experience to stream from Bitcoin. Are you, yeah. Does your standard allow for, hey, here's the song title, here's the artist's name? Does it allow for that sort of thing? Yeah, it's all written in there. That's all in the metadata that's in the JSON file. And each audio also has its own unique ID. So you could just call it, once there's an indexer in place that, that decides to index the audio IDs, yeah, you could just literally just say, play these 100 audio IDs. And the audio ID will apply both to the samples and then eventually to the compositions as well. I will commit to if people actually adopt this and we have, let's say, 10 people like seriously creating music like hundreds of songs we will spin up some exploring streaming kind of stuff for this because i i think this is like really cool like i want to listen to music on bitcoin this is super neat and assuming your standard is like abstract enough that it allows for tracks this sort of thing like artists tracks like the basic kind of primitives i'm sure you can add playlists and albums and maybe more complex stuff later i think it would be really cool to add like a little kind of streaming feature to our explore site yeah i'm pumped for this jim i think this is really cool yeah patches yeah this is neat i'm also a web3 musician on the launch pad back on hedera that launched my own single a couple weeks ago so we're pioneering and, and exploring what music can be over on hedera so this is really cool to see on on bitcoin with the the scalability in mind i think what you're doing is the full utilization of what bitcoin can be right where it's all all on chain do you see a future or a need 
for, especially musicians aren't the most, it's very hard to make money doing music. So inscription fees and everything being a barrier to entry for most musicians, do you see a future where there's what you're describing on-chain inscription music and then also something like the BRC721 where you can use pointers to Rweave or IPFS to utilize just a cheaper and for the minter, a more efficient method of consolidating music? 100% because I think what we're talking about here is the same as people have been talking about with generative collections and having the traits online is that the whoever has created a generative collection and has spent the money on putting the traits online, they don't really have to spend much more once those traits are there because actually the recursive version that pulls together those traits in the order you want to pull them together is tiny. It's like a, a couple of dollars really worth uh, bytes. So the idea being for musicians, if they're really, you know, the, the kind of expensive bit right now is going to be building the library and that's going to involve people spending money to put these samples online but once the samples are there they are there for anyone to use and again this is where i have built into the standard there is some licensing stuff in there if people are just making up samples themselves and they want them to be free for anyone to use then they can say that and it's in there whereas again if someone wants to be paid they can say that there's no guarantee they'll get paid but if the markets decide that they want to support artist royalties which i would hope that they do then there's going to be an, there's going to be something for everybody because there will be the public the public kind of library stuff that anyone can use and again once the library gets built there'll be all manner of kick drums snare drums bass sounds guitars it, it'll all be there for people to use and then we've got the effects units that themselves are also rarely more than two or three kilobytes to build the sampler that I've that I've created it's got a place for effects units although I haven't made any effects units yet but it's built in so that when the effects units are built, you'll be able to pull in any effect unit that you want. So it's just going to be really easy for people to, yeah, because com- the composing doesn't cost anything. You don't have to pay anything to access the samples. Again, once there's a few inscribed sample units that allow people to inscribe their compositions, you just write and you produce this song. And then when you're ready to inscribe it, you inscribe it. And that inscription is going to be tiny. And it's going to be utilizing all the samples that have already been paid for. Someone's already inscribed them. They're there for you to use. So I think it very much opens it up. And then again, that again, assuming that person has used samples that are in inverted commas license free, then they are the owners of that song. And that song you know, may have cost one or two dollars to inscribe. And then if the markets are, for example, these guys saying having about a radio station, if that radio station is going to be paying royalties if it's earning money for playing that stuff then those royalties are very easily traced one of the biggest bugbears i've had for years has been in in this country it's called prs i can't remember what it's called in the states but the guys who collect collect royalties for musicians and it's an impossible job but it's an impossible job for humans it's not an impossible job for the blockchain And, and what makes it even better is on the blockchain you don't even have to be asking these people who can't do this thing what royalties you're owned, you, you can just look yourself and you can see exactly every song that has used your sample. And, and if a radio station plays, it could get to the point where if a radio station is paying, they're paying you. Like if you're the owner of a kick drum that that has requested to be paid royalties for that thing that you get paid for every kick drum sound in the song. We're talking obviously very small micro payments here, but 
that's the power of this rather than me having to call my publishers and trust what they tell me which is the maybe the best of their knowledge but even knowing that it's so imperfect the way these things are recorded with PRS I used to write things for these movie shows over here in England and and when I did eventually go through it with a fine tooth comb to see how my royalties worked there was probably 50% and that's not an exaggeration uh, of the credits that I had been given were for the wrong song because somewhere along the line someone had added a space or had misspelled a word and now the song that was in that TV show just didn't work with their system because the system didn't recognize it because something was different. It had a space in the wrong place or a word was spelt wrong. And so they, because they knew it was me as the writer, they would just pull any old song that I'd written and throw it in there into the credits because they couldn't find this other one that they had received from the royalty sheets. It just puts all the power back into the hands of the musician. Not only do you have this amazing ledger of everything that's used but you also don't have to ask someone else to read it for you you just look yourself yeah jim i appreciate you sharing that i'm slightly skeptical on like basically bringing in like artists licensing and royalties into this whole situation i think that introduces just like a massive amount of complexity rather than just inscribe cc0 and then sell the assets the like crypto way i'm curious have you thought through like how I'm just imagining right now, let's say I'm an artist. I come along, I create a song with a bunch of these, let's say you only use CC0 of these like smaller files. I put them all together and it makes this like banger awesome song. Okay, that song, I could then make the parent for a hundred children and sell like a hundred tokens to like fans of that song. And you can make like an awesome interactive inscription to play it or it could have awesome song art associated with that and those like 100 people would be like the official kind of owners of your song the artist could potentially add utility along with that access to talking to them this sort of thing have you thought about that with this protocol will people be able to buy and sell songs basically i guess is what i'm saying like the kind of nft sound.xyz style totally that's mostly where this is built for i think where i'm talking about royalties and stuff is just in in the real world if i was to write a hit on the blockchain i know that anyone who just looks at the blockchain can listen to that so the only way you're really going to make money in this space is by packaging it up yeah adding utility adding cool art adding a story selling it however if like radio one the big station over here was to play it that's where it then falls back to okay a commercial entity has used this to make money they're like they have to pay their artists and so they're again in the regular world that payment goes to the artist through several third parties. Whereas in this world, if someone does uh, write a hit that is then used commercially, it's impossible for those royalties to get lost because all we need is for them to be able to pay royalties in Bitcoin. But then ultimately the composer of that song is pseudonymously identified via a Bitcoin address. And so that commercial usage they are literally licensed to, they have to pay that person. And so once there's the ability for them to pay in Bitcoin, then they just have to send the Bitcoin to the owner of that composition. But yeah, again, it's public when it's on the bit, on the blockchain. It, it is quite a difficult thing for musicians. There needs to be some sort of monetary model for musicians. If you're going to bring musicians into this world, there just has to be. An, and it could be through, as you said, creating collectibles and selling it. But in the wider world, when it gets used 
on TV or in film, at that point, a musician then has to rely on their publishers being honest and, and competent. And actually, in, in this world, that doesn't matter anymore because now the, whoever has used that song, they have a Bitcoin address that they owe money to. And so they just pay the money straight to that Bitcoin address. They don't have to uh, go through the legacy. Look, it's very interesting. I'm always like slightly skeptical. My kind of theory around all of this is that files on the internet, like data, it wants to be free very badly. And especially if you put it on chain where it's now permissionless <laughs> to access for the yeah. next 100 years for free. I think that's like really setting it free. And to me, it's if let's say a TV show picks up the song, becomes a hit. Let's say it's like the intro to a TV show. If you made that CC zero, first of all, they're going to be way more likely to use it. Two, and, and it'll spread more. Two, the hundred assets that you created that represent ownership of that song on chain probably skyrocket in value. They correlate to how many people know about that song. So this is just me. I'm not an artist, so I'm speaking out of my ass lately here. But <laughs> what I would do is I would like 20% of the supply for myself and hold on to that. And in the event it is a hit, that is the royalties. Because basically... I'm just not a fan of when you're relying on other people, you're going to get screwed over every which way. And well, this is the best of both worlds. This is the best of both worlds. So it's like you, it, it, it can be both. And that's, I guess, my point is that these TV shows, they legally have to pay you. So you can be doing both. And it's just that if someone who is a real world corporate entity wants to use your music, they have to pay you. And so they, you, it could be that you're going through your publishers who may or may not be honest and pay you the money you're owed. But now that with this system in place, you can just contact them yourself and say, yeah, you just use my song, just send the money to this address. Thanks, we're, we're done. I don't need a publisher. I don't need anyone standing in front of me. I've also got my whole Web3 thing going on where I have these collectibles and I'm doing all this stuff. But at the end of the day, they have to pay you. They're not allowed not to pay you. And this, again, just it takes out all the middlemen on that side. Yeah, it's, it's certainly interesting. And it's like an iteration on that kind of legacy model. I'm just personally this hardcore CC0 fan. I think if you put your music out there, CC0, you're just going to see random TikTok channels picking it up and using it. And it'll just like more people listen to it. That is my personal take. I'm sure there's some people on stage who are artists who will disagree with that. Uh, <laughs> we've got five Let's hear from up. them. <laughs> I think Click. Yeah, Click, you were first, and then Patches, then Jungle, then Josh, then Easy. What's up, Leo? Thanks for letting me go first here. Uh, we'll try to make this thing a year and a half or so. I've been very focused on Web3 music. I used to work for a platform where that was our primary focus for everything that we were building. And I've talked to a lot of Web3 musicians and I've written a lot of articles about Web3 music and musicians and songs and everything. And I think the great thing about putting, speaking broadly here, not about Bitcoin in particular, but like putting your music on the blockchain, I think is a really great thing, especially when you like the licensing and rights and stuff like that that's not that's only a problem for when you for trying to use like web 2 music on in web 3 someone who just creates a song today whatever they can do whatever they want with it as it's, it's their right and i think if you get rid of the licensing debate or problems aside going artist direct to fan or customer with no middlemen is a really awesome thing because it actually like 
really changes like the conversation when you're talking about what constitutes a hit, right? Because Web2, Spotify, what's like you need to have millions of fans who listen to your stuff for like hours upon hours every month in order to get any sort of money, let alone like live on it. Or so it's really challenging to get a foothold. And that's because things like Spotify have like largely devalued music. No one gives a shit about it because they can. I pay eight bucks a month and I have every song I could ever want. My point is that Web3, imagine you have a hundred really hardcore fans. A hundred's not a huge number, right? It's relatable. <laughs> if you have a hundred people online who like fuck with you every time you like release a song or something, dude, you, an artist who could sell like a hundred copies <laughs> of a song for five bucks. That's awesome. That's that's. I think a lot of people would be happy for one one song to do that for them. But it's that's hard to do something like that in Web two. So anything Web three really, I think it's to the it empowers creators. So the I like the making everything CC zero by default uh, doesn't really work for music. I don't think because you're already just be like you you're putting it on the blockchain anybody can listen to it that's fine we're not trying to pre- prevent people from listening to it if they want to but that doesn't mean you're giving up your rights to it you can still retain all your ownership you don't need to give anything up to put your song somewhere people are going to listen to it for free they're going to listen to it for free but if you put it as dc0 no one ever has to give you any credit at all for your work. None of it. Like you're 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 putting your work into the public domain, which means that it's free for anyone and everyone to use it as they see fit, and they don't need to give any credit. They can package it up, sell it, change the name of it, do whatever they want. And I I don't think that's a a, a good thing for musicians in general. This is all about being sovereign and like retaining your control over your stuff or your money, your currency. So when you just like just wave all that away, I don't think it sets everyone up for success. But I yield the floor. Yeah, I I appreciate that take. I think it's an extreme, like you have to really think about what it is that you want to achieve in your career, like the things that you care about. Like I just personally, I have this much larger, again, not an artist speaking, by the way. I have this much larger philosophy of the things that I would do. I want to have self-sovereignty over that. I don't want to have people uh, in my smart contract from OpenSea's council saying, I can't sell it here, but I can sell it here as long as I pay this, all these rules. I don't want any of that stuff. I also don't like nation states being involved in something that I would release. I would very much just rather put it on Bitcoin. It's CC zero. When you make it CC zero, essentially you're saying governments are no longer involved, right? There's not going to be a court but case. You're right? not even involved either, though, right? Because That's you're, just, you're yeah. releasing everything. But it doesn't protect is, anything. Yeah, so my point is there's this kind of everybody feels like they need to protect. My two cents here is the Internet's really good, actually, at basically figuring out where things came from and like the original source. And if you're like on Twitter, like putting yourself out there, look, if you're doing no effort to like market yourself and nobody knows who you are and you're not like, you don't even have a Twitter account, then it's possible somebody could take that and trick people into thinking it's theirs. But in most cases, like all these Web3 artists, they're extremely good marketers. They're incredible at putting their name out there and they understand this stuff really well. And they have this passionate group 
of collectors that they really vibe with and, you know, this passionate group of fans. And that group of people, to me, is going to make sure it's clear that this song came from you. And basically, long term, to me, if somebody takes my song and remixes it and makes a slightly better version that becomes way more popular and let's say they sell it and make a million dollars, I personally believe that it's better to have that happen than not have that happen because all that value, I believe, will be driven back to the original song. I think people do very much care about the original in our heads. Like That just means something to me personally. I would rather own the original than the remix. So that's just my two cents. This business model will play out and like we'll figure out the answers to all this stuff. It'll take many years to figure out, right? I very well may end up being wrong. I just personally like the idea of saying no to nation states being involved with the situation. And I love the fact that anybody can come along and remix stuff. I actually, I view that as a positive, right? Because I think it, it spreads that what you created with way, way more people. But yeah, Click, you're, you're bringing up some excellent points. And I very much do understand why there are certain artists who would say, I definitely don't like that. I don't like the idea that someone could take something that I created and do something with it that I don't like. I, I very much understand that. Patches. Yeah, just on that, please no more playing for exposure. Uh, I, I know it makes sense, but as a musician being like, hey, if you make this hit song and millions of people listen to it, this other guy will get all the money, but you'll get exposure. That's like what you're told your whole, like I've been playing over 20 years. It's like, it's always playing for exposure. So from a musician standpoint, I, I need to own my music because it's my creative output. This is, this is me and my music. This, I'm not talking for the industry. I, I do think that... <clears throat> Rights are extremely important to understand, and they're so complicated in music. I'm actually in a music working group on Hedera about NFT standards, building the next uh, metadata standard, and that's what my single that I launched three weeks ago on Hedera was the first alpha test of that standard. And just as a musician, that was a single, and I have an EP coming up. And with the sales of that single in Web3, testing out this new uh, metadata standard, I have made enough to pay for the mixing and mastering of my EP that I can then release. And what we did is we actually, we, we released this as is, is, is like an NFT culture. There's 50 of the deluxe editions that get exclusive access to airdrops that I'll do in the future, shows that I'll play and other things. And then there's 5,000 that are just 50 H-bar, which is so low. It's a dollar maybe. And it's a, you can just get the single and then everything. And then the deluxe edition also comes with like behind the scenes and other stuff. On Hedera, our metadata standard allows you to nest files in one NFT. So there's actually seven different files, lyrics, video, other things, all with one NFT that if you sell it, it's all always contained. The thing that we're looking at and inside that metadata standard are things like ISRC codes and UPC codes. Though you don't want a government to control your music... Pat, did you, you have explain to... what that is to people? I actually, I'm not aware of that. I'm sure there's listeners as well. Could you explain what this is? Sure. Essentially, they're just unique identifiers that go to the governmental aspect of music in America or just music rights. But it's like when you upload something to Spotify, they'll make you an ISRC code. And then that's its unique identifier. There's a lot of nuance in there, same with UPC codes. But essentially, they're, we're linking both Web 2 to Web 3. And the reasoning is, as a musician, you can just focus on Web3, but we're trying to find a standard and an ability to, like what jumped off this whole music conversation, where you can interplay and make money in both worlds and trying to bridge Web2 musicians over to Web3 as another revenue source without the overhead of having to set up their own Discord server and all this other stuff that they don't... Musicians want to make music. It's their passion. It's their soul. 
So trying to put more technology and learning in front of them, it's just not going to work. So the one thing that allows that to happen that we've created a, an alpha test on Hedera for, but it's just EVM compatible smart contract, you need to have an off-chain, on-chain Oracle. You need to have some ability. So what we did is we created a smart contract that has all the IPFS links to the royalty rights of each musician on a track that can be updatable through execution. It also pays out the royalties based on percentage through that royalty right. And then it can also update who gets what royalty because the, the craziest thing about music is they just sell 10% of this musician's part now is over in this conglomerate and it continually moves. And so having an ability that you take things that are happening in Web2, people buying and selling rights, putting that into a smart contract that could be called and updated, but then also it's immutable and can be called from the other end in Web3 to get what is the current royalty state when it does a payout to that song. There are methods in which you can combine these worlds. And we, we again, really passionate about it, been a musician my whole life. And on Hedera, we're pushing and trying to figure out this. And it's really cool to see how is this happening in Bitcoin? Because I'm not a maxi in any way. I think every chain has its own network um, benefit. And I think Bitcoin has an, a huge benefit. Um, so I love seeing that the music conversation we've been having, I've been having in other networks is, is coming up here. And I think Bitcoin has a, a very large role to play on how this comes out. Small micropayments to royalties and understanding of off-chain data, I don't think is its strong suit. I do think it's immutability forever and its ability for mass adoption and, and, and viewing and market adoption is, is its strong suit. Another way to say that is test out these standards on smaller networks, use things like layer twos or create ordinals as a layer two so that it can execute fast and quick and reduce the layer and barrier of entry for smaller artists. And then utilize Bitcoin as the trust or as the, the final destination of inscription for indexing and things. But very cool conversation. Yeah, I, I love this. I think music NFTs as a whole, it's, I still think it's like very much an experiment. There's several different platforms trying like very different models, like one of ones. Do you do one of minis? Like, how do you monetize this? How does this business model work? I don't think there's like a clear product market fit with music NFTs yet where we know for sure, okay, this is how it's going to be. This is the standard you use. You go release here. Everybody's on the same thing. It's more like artists are just playing around with like many different things. And I think that's a very exciting thing to be in that phase because we still don't know the exact business model. And I guess to be clear, I'm not like saying Web 2 mixed with Web 3 is bad. That's not what I'm saying. I'm more saying what I mostly see is people doing that kind of similar Web 2 mixed with Web 3 model. And I think... Personally, like this is just giving like insight into what I as a collector would personally spend lots of money on would be an artist that comes along and they go full cypherpunk on Bitcoin. It's a fully on-chain artist. Like the files are stored on chain. The ownership of the asset is stored on chain. You have no governments involved in any way. You give up all the rights. The data is fully free. I just think that's an experiment that's worth trying to see if that is a business model that's sustainable. I could be very wrong, right? I just think that I think we need to try these different things. And I can't really think of an example of going as hardcore as I just described yet. There, there's hundreds of amazing artists. I can't think of anybody who's gone that hardcore, like where it's fully on chain music to listen to and stream from Bitcoin like that. And I think there's an opportunity for someone to try that experiment, carve that out, see if that works and potentially make a really big name for themselves. So that's what I'm advocating for. And if that's you, please DM me. I'm interested in checking out what you're doing. Jungle Father. So my two cents about it, like I really find it intriguing, like and exciting to see what we can do more with music. 
in the Web3 space. We, we already have a regulatory system around it outside. And, and also some mentions here also, it's like now for artists, uh, from my viewpoint is that you really need to be super broad and have a ginormous name to make a living, like otherwise it's, it's relatively hard. But something that, that Web3 have opened up is that if you are, even if you are a small artist, like now I'm, I'm talking like art, you, you are able to like make a living even with a smaller community. And something I, I saw was super interesting that, that Jim was talking about. So I, I just want to go over it so I did understand it properly. So you want to do recursive inscription of different instruments on the blockchain. And then because the song is... I like you maybe would be able to fit one track on, on, on one SAS, but it's four megabytes and it would be super expensive just for one. So have you tried any, like, for example, a bass drum? What would be like the, the size of the one inscription when you try to mix it? And have you had any thoughts like on creating a tool? Because I can think of some artists, it would be great to have an easy to use tool. Yeah, I've done both. I've created, like I said, I'll post it in the chat. It's very simple, but it's using the two audio samples that I created and you can loop one of them and then you can just press a button to play the other one. And then I've built a, a 64 step audio sequencer that allows you to load four, but that could be many more. So it's just imagine what you can do with a sample library on logic and you'll be able to do the same thing uh, on Bitcoin. Uh, the, I think the, the samples I've, I've inscribed so far were loops. So they weren't just single hits and they, were inscribed i think they cost me i think around 15 dollars or 10 dollars the single hits again you can get them down to about five kilobytes as the json and so it's again once those these samples are inscribed the actual usage of them is super super cheap it costs you nothing it, it, you're literally just creating a text file that is a set of instructions uh for sequencing these uh, these samples and like i said i've, I've created a 64 step sampler that i've i've put four um files in there and they just get buffered and they they play whenever you want to play them it's no different to to using a regular sequencer but that's really cool have you uploaded like a full-length song no because there's not the enough samples there yet uh, so oh, I, right. I think that's the point i think is what we're what we need to do here is build up the sample library and then the songs will come but the songs need to be these they need to be JSONs that have no audio in them. These songs will just be a, a sequence of instructions to play the audio files that have already been paid for and inscribed. And so the musicians who will be creating these things will just be uploading the instructions themselves. They won't have to actually deal with any audio, and, but your audio will all be on chain. So the song it, entirely, you can, and again, like I was saying to Leonidas, you could, it's almost infinite what, what you could do in terms of mixing and remixing and one single small piece of html code can just consistently remix a bunch of samples eternally it wouldn't even take much to get for example i was saying to someone the other day if you did have a song that exists in the world and you you don't want to put those samples in you can always break that song up into bars or 16 bar sequences and inscribe them separately and then you could just set up a very small piece of HTML code, which will just forever uh, play these uh, loops in different orders. 
And again, it's just a few lines of code to just say, just don't stop. Just keep randomly selecting a loop and playing it. And then you can have a song that plays forever. And it will still just be a tiny one kilobyte HTML file that sequences those tracks. Josh, welcome to the Ordinal Show. I think I heard you on a space performing maybe a year ago. Good to see you again. What's up? You have thoughts on this? Bitcoin now has some audio, I guess. So, Yeah, good to see you, Leo. So I really wanted to um, touch upon Jim's take about on-chain royalties and with music. And music just has to be on-chain. I don't know if people are aware, but the music industry model at the moment needs an urgent update, especially when it comes to publishing and songwriting royalties. It's just not good enough needing to wait three months to even a year to get your publishing check with which a lot of songwriters need especially considering a lot of royalties actually often get lost as well like for example it's been a life-changing year for me thanks to web3 actually but also in web2 and last year i got to open for robbie williams in front of a hundred thousand people in europe and that was a big investment on my behalf. That was that show was not paid. However, of course, I'd be a fool not to play it. And it cost me a lot of money to pay my team and to make that reality. And I was actually able to afford that thanks to music NFTs. But what's shitty is that it's been nine months since that show. And I'm expecting a royalty check to at least uh, try and recoup some of those costs. And it's, yeah, it's been nine months. And that in this fast-paced world, that's not good enough. It takes at least half a million dollars to break an artist's career. And, and in, in this like early stage, it's, as an independent artist, you need that funding ASAP so you can really build and reinvest in yourself and, and grow even faster. And, and that's why I really believe that music just has to be on-chain for publishing, for what Jim was speaking about as well with stems and how you can fractionalise a song in that way, what's really cool and and but also what's i think when ai music becomes more mainstream and let's face it it will chain is a, a great powerful tool that you can use to authenticate and verify what comes from the original artist and what isn't and let's face it when that's in function when ai music is properly evolved there's going to be a lot of noise but people will still want to be a part of the creator's journey and blockchain is going to be a really powerful tool for that awesome great taste there if anybody has thoughts Please feel free to add to this conversation. I think, yes, Yeezy, you are next, and then Grace. What's up, y'all? So I really love what you're doing, Jim, and just appreciate this whole conversation overall. And yeah, Jim, I feel like we got to tap in as soon as your stuff is ready. I'd love to play around with it, make some music with it. And one of my questions for Jim is, can you like plug a MIDI controller? Is there any interface you have where I could actually play the samples with an Ableton push, for instance. Interesting. It's not something I've looked into. One thing I've been looking into lately is just the idea, I think I said before, about if we can get the tone.js library inscribed. It's only, I think I looked up the other day, it's around 350 kilobytes. It's not a huge thing. The MIDI sounds will be accessible through the browser, which would just be really cool. I know people have done it already with a 3JS library. We just need all these libraries just inscribed, and then everything that we can do through the web, we'll be able to do. And then the other thing I wanted to say was just to touch on this whole conversation of the idealistic idea of CCO or versus the artist retaining their rights and enforcing royalties. So I think when it comes to samples, 
that could definitely be CCO. That makes a lot of sense, especially because most samples, the person using them didn't actually create them. If you did create those samples yourself, then I think it would be cool to find a way to enforce the ownership and royalties. But I think the reason there isn't a proven model that's worked for music in Web3 is actually because people are, are overcomplicating it, not because it's not possible. So I think at the simplest, it should just be that, say, I as an artist, if I made a song, I can just inscribe the master copy. And since that master copy is in my wallet, we know that wallet is the owner of the master. And then we create a system where, you know, only that wallet can create the official editions that can then be essentially sold as copies, just like it used to work. And I think Spotify apps and, and streaming, the streaming model that we're currently using, like completely destroyed the music industry and completely fucked over artists. And the, the whole music industry has been predatory for decades, pretty much as, as long as it's been around. So I don't think it's necessarily an issue to enforce royalties. I just think we need a system that, that makes sense. And the current Web3 royalty system isn't really royalties. It's, it's actually secondary sale commissions. So I think people get those two things confused because in order to enforce royalties on something, you actually have to be the owner of the intellectual property. When it comes to NFT royalties, those aren't real royalties. Those are just you're getting a piece of a secondary sale, and that's much harder to enforce. So yeah, I think the real big barrier here is actually just getting the files on chain. So maybe if we had some innovations in compression, like AI compression, like a new codec, like an MP3 2.0, so to speak, then that could be the major pivotal point that allows us just to put our master copies on chain and, yeah, recreate the original music industry, which the reason streaming destroyed music is because now people don't care to own music and it's no longer collectible. But people used to collect albums because they were art and they saw them as art. And, you know, they had a physical means to collect them. This is the interesting thing that Bitcoin created a whole new meaning for ownership. It used to be that you could just copy a CD and you could rock up in a club and play it. And there was just no question. There was no way to question whether you owned it, whether you would paid for it. And actually, this new world, you have to wear on your sleeve, so to speak. If you if you want to claim that you own a track, it's very easy for someone to check that now. And yeah, it's interesting, the idea of putting things on chain, you don't have to, you know, when you're talking about proving ownership, someone could write a song, which they could compose themselves externally, or they could compose using on chain samples. But then when they inscribe the composition, they could actually encode it with a private key. So actually, no one can listen to that, but they can at any point, if they needed to prove that composition, they could be the only ones to go into a courtroom, for example, put in their private key and actually play that song to prove that it's theirs and no one else knows that private key. So there are ways to do both, to mix uh, Web 3 and Web 2.